0: Galatians chapter 2 verse number 20 Paul is speaking here he says I am crucified with Christ and we talked about what that meant last week he says I am crucified with Christ nevertheless I live yet not I but Christ liveth in me and the life which I now live and that's where we that's where we're picking up this week the life which I now live in the flesh I live by the faith of the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So that's Galatians chapter 2 verse number 20. And we're Last week we kind of talked about Galatians chapter 2, the first half of that uh, verse, uh, what it meant, what was going on when Paul wrote, I am crucified with Christ. What does he mean when he says I am crucified with Christ? Uh, So last week we talked about this, how Jesus came to earth, he died, he was buried, he rose again three days later uh, so that he could reconnect us to God. See, our sin had separated us from God, our sin nature had separated us from God. Jesus came and he he was crucified and he was buried and he rose three days later so that he could reconnect us to Jesus uh, Christ, so that he could, he could reconnect us to God. Uh, Jesus took our sin on the cross. He took uh, the part of us that was broken. He took the part of us that was bent towards self-destruction. He crucified that part of himself with him on the cross. When uh, Paul says, I am crucified with Christ, that is what he was talking about. He says the broken part of him was crucified with Christ. Uh, that part of us was put to death. But he says, nevertheless, I live. That uh, broken part of us was crucified with Jesus Christ, and when Jesus was raised from the dead uh, raised from the dead, he gave us new life he gave us a new man. Uh, we see in second Corinthians chapter five it says, uh, "All things are become new and Jesus Christ uh, says, "We are new creatures behold, old things are passed away, all things are become new that's what Jesus Christ did on the cross so that he could reconnect us to God that's the whole reason Jesus died was so that he could reconnect us he could reconnect our relationship with God Paul said, "I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the reason Jesus, uh, Paul says, uh, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me, is so that not just we could be connected to God, but we could have communication with God. So Jesus didn't just die so that we could be reconnected to God, but so that we could actually have a communication with uh, God, so that we could actually have a relationship with God. So that is the first part of this verse. The second part of this verse is, uh, is we're gonna, what we're going to get to this morning. Today we're talking about what happens after this connection. So we've been reconnected to God through Jesus Christ, death on the cross, and resurrection three days later. Because of that, we are reconnected to God. We have new life in Jesus Christ. But what happens with this new life? We have new life in Jesus Christ. How do we live this new life? Everything is new. The Bible says all things are become new because of the salvation of Jesus Christ. But how do we live now? As a believer, we have a completely new life in front of us. The question is. What is it that empowers us to live this new life? If you're a believer this morning, you have new life. The question is, how do you live this new life? If you're a Christian, how do you live as a Christian? How do you live effectively as a Christian? Paul says, and this is what we're going to get to. This is where we are now, this second week, and the second half of this verse. He says, the life which I now live, I live in the flesh. So Jesus put to death our old man and gave us a new man, but what is it that gives this new man strength and energy and focus and movement? What is it inside of us that gives us strength to live the Christian life? What is it inside of us that gives us a a divine currency to move forward as Christians? How do I live the life, as Paul says, which I now live? How do we live the life which I now live in the flesh? We are still physically here, but we have been spiritually made alive in Jesus Christ. How do I live the life which I now live? This is the most important part of the Christian life. This one idea we're talking about this morning, this is the most important part, and we're going to get to this, but I want to let you guys know how it is we live this new life. So, for example, in any relationship, just as our relationship with Jesus Christ, we have this brand new relationship with Jesus Christ if we're believers. If you've been a believer for a while, you have this relationship with, with God that you have because of Jesus Christ and his death on the cross. So how do we live this new life? It's just like any other relationship. So uh, like I was talking last week, I, uh, I told you guys the story of how I proposed with, uh, to my wife, Amanda. I told you guys how we met and how we uh, got married. But after that, you see, everything before that was kind of the easy part, right? That's all, that's all, that's, you're lovey dovey, everything's awesome, everything's amazing. He's perfect, she's perfect, he doesn't have any problems, and the problems he does have, you can kind of overlook those problems. The problems she has, it's, it's fine, it's whatever, because I love her. And then you get married, and you're like, oh. Now I see these problems. Now you're like, uh, so how does how do we live now in this relationship? How do we function now and continue to grow in our relationship with Jesus Christ? So in any relationship, there's going to be things that you do that maybe she doesn't, or there's going to be things that she does that maybe you don't. So for instance, uh, what I like to do, uh, or what my, my wife likes to do, is uh, she likes to bake. And she's she's darn good at it. She's a really good baker. She knows how to bake. And the other thing she knows how to do really good is finances. Me, I'm not so good with finances. I see credit card, I see something I want, I swipe, I get it, I go home, and I do the same thing online. My wife, she's really good with finances, and she's really good at baking. So we've gotten to the place in our relationship that I'm good at some things, and uh, she trusts me with those things, but I notice she's really good with some things, just about everything. And so she starts to bake. And when she puts something in the oven or she's mixing something up in the mixer I've gotten to the point where I don't even ask what she's making. I don't even ask uh if it's something that I like. I don't ask her if the, she's got the recipe right. I don't look down at what she's got in the mixer bowl and say, "Hey, did you put enough milk in there? Did you put enough sugar in there? Did you put it? I don't even I don't ask any questions because I know that whatever comes out of that oven is going to be good. It's going to be real good. I know that whatever comes out of the oven, all I have to worry about is making the coffee because it's going to be good and I'm going to have coffee to go with it. I don't have to wonder. I just trust that whatever pops out of the oven after an hour or wherever is going to be good. I, I trust my wife in the same way with our finances. I don't really know too much about our finances. I know how much needs to be spent and what goes where, but she deals with all the finances. There's never been a point where I've been like, Hey, you did this wrong. Uh, you know, you, you, why are you doing this? Why are you doing that with our finances? I mean, if she brought home like a trunk of handbags and shoes one day, I might have some, you know, we'll have to talk about that, but that's never happened. So there's never been a point in our relationship where I've ever wondered, not once, wondered what she was doing with finances. Not once. And this is what happens in any relationship. There's things that she's good at. There's things that I'm good at. And we build trust in those certain things. I trust her with the finances. I trust her with the baking. I trust her with a lot of different things. She trusts me with I don't know, putting my clothes away in the morning, making the bed, Something she she trusts me with stuff. That's what a relationship is about. You can't have a relationship that's healthy, that's functional, that's growing unless there's mutual trust, unless there is faith and confidence in each other. That is just the bedrock, that is what you need in a relationship. You need trust. That is the currency of our relationship, is trust. Without trust, you cannot have, I cannot have anything in our relationship. It begins to break down. And, And just Just like any other relationship that we have in life, our relationship with Jesus Christ is the same way. We grow in our relationship with Jesus Christ. We get to know each other better when there is trust and confidence. The Bible calls it faith. That's why when Paul says, uh, "The life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God," because he realizes after he has this uh, relationship with Jesus Christ, what's going to build that on? What's going to build on that relationship is faith and trust and confidence in Jesus Christ. That is what's going to grow that relationship, and you see this in this verse. The longer, the longer we're in a relationship, the more confidence is supposed to be grown. The longer we are in a relationship, the longer we're a Christian, the more faith we ought to have in Jesus Christ. Our relationship with God is no different. You see, faith is the currency, it's the energy, it's the building blocks of our relationship with Jesus Christ. If we don't trust God with our stuff, with our life, and with our family, and with the things all around us in our life, then we do not have a growing, healthy relationship. You see, faith is embedded into every part of the Christian life, including salvation. You see... It's true that Jesus Christ died so that he could connect us to God. But it takes faith for us to connect to God. It takes faith for us to start this relationship with Jesus Christ. How is it that you were able to reconnect with God? How is it that you were able to receive the new life that Jesus paid on the cross? It was through faith in him. You see this in Ephesians chapter 2 verse number 8. For by grace are you saved through what? Through faith. It's faith. It's trust and confidence in God that gave us salvation. For by grace are you saved through faith. It's not of yourselves. that is the gift of God. Our connection to God is created by faith. It's the foundation of our relationship with God. You are brought into the family of God through faith in God. We're into the family of God through faith in God. That's how we were brought into the family of God. So everything you heard last Sunday, or maybe you heard online or whatever, everything you heard last Sunday is undergirded by this thing called faith, our trust in Jesus Christ. You see, it does Christ no good to die on a cross if we don't put our faith in what he's done. So if you ever go to the doctor, just for instance, you ever go to the doctor and you have some health problem, maybe it's something, you know, you have a cold, a flu, whatever. You talk to your doctor for, what, 10 minutes maybe? He asks you a couple questions. He pokes him, broads a couple things in your face and your body. And he asks you a couple questions. And then after he uh, he leaves, he has his nurse come in. And his nurse gives you a prescription. And uh, this prescription is to help you with whatever ailment you have. Maybe you have the flu, cold, whatever. And you you go to the, the prescription area, maybe Walgreens or wherever, and you buy your prescription. And you take that uh, medication, never thinking twice about whether... He prescribed the right thing. You ever think about that? He talks to you for 10 minutes. He pokes you, he prods you, he does a little thing where he looks down your throat, and then he says, okay, this is what you need to take. And you trust that what he prescribes you is accurate. You have faith in what, and you get better because of what he's prescribed you. But if you didn't trust what he prescribed you, you wouldn't get better. You see, our relationship with Jesus Christ is built on this. We must trust. We must have faith if we're going to grow. If we're going to be restored to Jesus Christ, there must be faith. There must be trust and confidence. It is the same thing with God. You are restored and reconnected to God through faith in what He has done for you through Christ's death on the cross. The cross is how God connected to us and faith is how we connect to God. You see, from the very beginning, it's been about faith. From the very beginning, it's been about me trusting in what Jesus Christ has done. But faith isn't just how we are brought and connected to Jesus Christ. Faith is also how we continue with God. You see, that's why Paul says in Galatians 2.20 that faith isn't just how we begin our life. What does he say? The life which I now live in the flesh— He's not saying the life that I was given. He's saying the life which I now live. The life that's in front of me. The life that's that's uh, ahead of me. The life that is before me. I live that life through faith. So if you're saying this morning, I trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior by faith. That's awesome. But that was just the beginning. You have a whole life in front of you. You have all the things in your life in front of you. And all of that needs faith. It needs trust and confidence in God. That's why Paul says the life which I now live, I live by faith. Paul says, the life which I now live, the life that's in front of me. Faith isn't just how we connect to God, it's how we continue with God. Our new man lives by faith. It is through faith that you grow as a Christian. You see, again, faith is the the currency, the fuel of the Christian life. Without trust and confidence in God, we cannot grow. The Apostle Paul. Paul wasn't the only one who said this. You see, John also saying this in 1 John chapter 5, verse number 4. He says, we walk by faith, not by sight. What does he mean when he says, we walk by faith? He says, we live by faith. We walk by faith. The journey of our life, everywhere we go, everywhere we step, everyone we're with, everything we do, everything we think, it is all by faith. He says, I live by faith, not by sight. So what does it mean when the Bible says we live by faith? What does it mean when Paul says, I live by faith? When John says, I live by faith? It means that we are trusting God to guide everything we do. We are trusting God to influence everything we're going through. It means we're trusting God with our finances. It means we're trusting God with our family. We're trusting God with every individual thing in our life. Living by faith is trusting in what God has said rather than what I see. It's trusting in what God thinks rather than what I think. It's trusting what God sees rather than what I see. You see, living by faith is not a disadvantage. Some people say, well, that's just, that's just blind to trust God like that. That's just, you're blinding yourself to life. Living by faith is not blindness. Living by faith is not a disadvantage. Living by sight is. You see, when I walk by faith, I see the person and the pattern and the plan behind the problem. When I live by faith, I can see that God is working behind the problem. When I live by faith, I can see that God, even though I can't see it right now, I see that behind what's going on, God has a plan for it. Behind the pain, I see that God has a pattern. Behind the problem, I see that God has a plan. Behind everything that's going on in my life, faith says that there is a person behind all of it who is there for me. You see, behind all of it, He is controlling it. He is in charge of it. He is before all of it. Faith allows me to trust in God's ability when it's beyond my own ability. Faith allows me to see when I can't see what's going on. You see, just like maybe if you have contacts or, or glasses, if you take off those contacts or glasses, those are your eyes, right? No one says this is someone else's eyes. Those are your eyes. Sometimes they might be blurry. You need, you need something to put. You need something to put over your eyes because they're blurry. You need something to put over your eyes because you have astigmatism. You need something to put over your eyes because you can't see in front of you. Uh, you, you need it. My wife, she doesn't like to drive at night because she can't see very well. She needs something to clarify her life. And if I was to say, you, you would say, well, "What's she wearing glasses for? Why does she have contacts?" It's because she can't see correctly without them. People say that, well, why do you have faith? Because I can't see life correctly without it. Why do you trust God in this situation when it looks horrible? Because I can't see the situation clearly unless God is there. Unless I have faith, unless I have trust, unless I have confidence in God, what is in front of me, that's just a little unclear. You see, walking by faith is much more clear than walking by sight. You see, when I walk by sight, all I see is this 2D problem that's in front of me. When I'm walking by sight I'm just I'm just looking at a, a 2D screen but when I'm walking by faith I can see depth I can see that God is behind it that he's above it that he's uh he's in it that he is through it You see walking by faith I can see that God has complete control over my situation that's walking by faith uh, by faith walking by sight is well this problem is all I can see in my life this situation is all I can see this this mundane life that I have is all I can see I I don't see how there can be anything else but this. That is walking by, faith, uh, by, by sight, walking by faith. That's clear seeing. That's seeing clear. That is seeing life clearly. You see this is most this is best illustrated in the story of Elisha in 2 Kings chapter. Uh, 6. You guys you guys got to read this story. It's an amazing story. So there's this one rogue king back in Old Testament times who wanted to kill this prophet of God named Elisha. Very powerful prophet. This powerful prophet, he, he was having a whole army come down on top of him. One morning, he looks outside of his house. And outside of his house, around the whole city that he was living in, there was this, this rogue king. He had this army surrounding the entire city. A whole host, the Bible says, of chariots, of uh, soldiers, of warriors, surrounding thousands of people st- surrounding the entire city. And some of Elisha's friends, this prophet of God in the Old Testament, some of his friends, they came outside of the house and they saw this entire army that was uh, surrounding the city and they started, to, they started to get afraid, as anybody would. They started to get afraid. They started saying, we're going to die here. Well, this is not good. What are we going to do? And they looked at Elisha. And it's so funny because, I mean, you can just picture it in your mind. They look at Elisha, and Elisha, I can imagine he's sitting down. Maybe he's on his, his Lazy Boy, and he, he's just watching TV. And and these people are like, Elisha, what are you doing watching Monday Night Football? What are you doing watching this movie, watching this show? Why do you have Netflix on when there is a city, that it, when our city is surrounded by an army? What is going on here? And Elisha says, it's all good, guys. Don't worry about it. I can see what you guys can't see. I have trust in God right now. They say, what are you doing? You ought to be afraid. You ought to be living in fear right now. There is a massive problem outside, and that problem is going to kill us momentarily. And Elisha prayed. He didn't pray for himself. He didn't pray that God would take away this army surrounding the city. What he prayed for was that his friends, that their eyes would be opened. That's it. And when he finished that prayer and his friends' eyes were opened, his friends saw, they saw the army that was surrounding the city, but they saw another army behind the army that was attacking them. And it was the army of God, as the Bible says, a host of chariots that were bathed in fire, that were ringed in fire, surrounding the army that was surrounding them. That's faith. You see, why is it so important that we live by faith? Because when I live by sight, all I can see is the army surrounding me. All I can see is the problem in front of me. All I can see is the stuff that I need to do in my life. All I can have is the worry and the fear and the anxiety when I am living by sight. But when I am living by faith, I can see that my problem, although it is surrounding me, it is itself surrounded by God. When I live by faith, I can see that God is behind everything that is going on in my life so that I don't need to live with worry. I don't need to live with anxiety. I don't need to live in fear because behind that problem, there's a person, and that person is greater than that problem. That's why living by faith is so much better. That's why living by faith is not blind. Living by sight is blind. You see, why? because Elisha knew something the others didn't. Elisha knew that living by faith, he saw something that nobody else could see. Let me encourage you this morning, whatever is surrounding your life, let me encourage you this morning, whatever problem is surrounding your life, that problem is surrounded by God. It just takes faith to see it. You see, faith is not some kind of self-delusion. It's not even like a positive mental attitude. It's not optimism. Faith is active confidence in God. Faith gives us the ability to see what cannot be seen. Faith is seeing with the eyes of God paradoxically it's when we walk by sight that we can't see it's when we walk by sight that the problem is all we can see it's when we walk by sight that the stuff going in our life is is all it's all that, that's all that we can see it's all we can think about it's all we can dwell on it's all we can talk about it's all we can mention to our friends it's all we can mention in life because we just see the problems jesus is saying paul is saying 1 John chapter 5 is saying, there's a better way. You see, we can live by faith this morning. Paul says, he doesn't end here, the, the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of Son of God. He continues. He says, uh, Paul doesn't just tell us to live by faith as if you know that was enough. He says, he tells us why he, we can trust God. He tells us why we can live by faith. He says, the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of Son of God. Why? Why can we live this life? because he loved me and gave himself for me. You can live by faith because Jesus was motivated by love. You never have to wonder if God's motivations are pure. You never have to wonder what God is going on. You never have to wonder if God's going to leave you behind, if he's going to leave you hanging, if he's going to leave you in the problem. You never have to wonder if you're going to make it out alive because God says, I was motivated by love on the cross. And anybody that was motivated by love for us, we can trust. You never have to wonder about the motivation or the force behind Christ's actions. You see this in John chapter, Chapter 3, verse number 16, probably the most uh, the most known verse in all of the Bible. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. What motivated Jesus Christ? It was love. God isn't some cosmic meaning doling out judgment on people he doesn't like randomly or arbitrarily. He crucified our sin to the cross with him and was put to death with it so that we didn't have to. You can trust God today because he was motivated by love. The more clearly we experience God's love and the more we are consumed by what he's done for us, the easier it will be to trust him in life. You see, when you understand who God is, you can trust what God does. You see, if I was to give my my wallet, talking about faith and trust, if I was to give my wallet to Amanda, I would trust her completely with my wallet, Right? Because I know that she's not going to do anything with it. I know that she loves me. I know she sacrifices for me, and she has sacrificed for me in the past. If I was to give my wallet to Amanda, I would have no doubt in my mind that everything would be fine with my wallet. that wouldn't be charged up. The credit cards would be fine. Credit score would be fine. I have no doubt if I was to give my wallet. But if I was to give my wallet to, say, Mike in the back, then I wouldn't know what to do. I would be living in worry. This guy's in a chart. This guy's gonna have a new truck. This guy's gonna have, he's gonna have new toys. I wouldn't know what to do with my stuff. He's raised, yeah, he gives me a thumbs up. So I don't give my wallet because I, there's not rapport there, but I give my wallet to Amanda because there is love there. There is sacrifice there. And this is what Jesus is trying to say us, say to us this morning. He's trying to say, you can trust me because I love you. You can trust me because I have sacrificed for you. Why does Paul say, who loved me and gave himself for me. He says, I, who loved me and gave himself for me because Jesus is trying to reassure us that you can trust him because he has your best intentions at heart. He has your best life in his mind. He has your best interests in mind. Paul says, who loved me and gave himself for me. He says, who gave himself for me. You know, it's one thing to give something to someone, but it's a whole nother thing to give myself to someone. It's a whole nother thing to give of myself to someone. You see, when I give to someone, that's great. I give to lots of people at Christmas time. But when I give of myself to someone, that's something else entirely. That's something that's real. That's something that's hard. That's something that's grander and bigger than just simply giving someone something. What Paul says here is God didn't just love us and he didn't just give to us. He gave of himself. He gave himself to us. You know how it's uh, genuine when God says, I want you to live by faith because he gave himself. He didn't just give stuff to us. He gave himself to us. You can trust the person who takes a bullet for you. And that's what God did. Everything Jesus did on the cross was him trying to say, you can trust me. You can trust me. You can trust me with this problem. You can trust me with this promotion. You can trust me with this part of your life. This worry that you have, you can trust me with that. This burden you're bearing, you can trust me with that. You can have confidence even though you're no, you don't know what's going on. You can have confidence even though things aren't going the way you like. You can have faith in me. Jesus on the cross died so that he could get this message through to us. Today, God is saying, you can trust my promises and you can trust my plan. Even if you can't see it, even if you can't see God's plan, you can trust that he has one. You can trust that God's promises in his word are true. Even though you don't know how they're going to work out, even though you don't know how it's going to play out in your life, you can trust the promises that, uh, that God has in his word because he gave his life for us. You see, we, we, we walk around life with all these burdens. I brought a backpack with me this morning to kind of illustrate to you so you can see this. We walk around with all of these burdens. Some of them good. We walk around with our finances and obviously we should be managers and stewards of our finances. We should be all these things we walk around life with and we're burdened down with and we're slouched over in life and life is just full of worry and full of fear and full of anxiety and full of just stuff. Even the good things we can't even enjoy because just burdened down by all the things. And I have these things that, that burden us down. Our future. This burdens us down, right? Our future burdens us. Even if it's, we're wondering about how, even if it's a good thing. And I'm not just talking about bad things we're burdened down with. We're burdened down with all things. We're burdened down with our future. How is things going to turn out? How is it? How is the move going to work? Even if it's a good a good situation, our relationships. My relationship is going great, but I'm still worried about it. My relationships are not going so great. Our relationship with my spouse burdens us down. Even if it's good, the kids, everything's going well and we still live in worry. Everything, everything, maybe there's some problems and it burdens us down. Problems burden us down. What else do we got? Finances, whether it's going well or it's going ill, they burden us down. And I'm not saying we shouldn't be stewards of all these things. As the, the, the scripture isn't saying that we should be managers of all these things. Our job burdens us down, and we carry these burdens, some of them good, some of them bad. Jesus is saying, when you live by faith, the bad things, all, the, and all all the the infinite shades in between, all the way to the good things, all things, he wants us to live by faith. You see, when I live by faith, I trust God with my job. For good or for ill, I trust God with my job. You see, with my kids, whatever's going on, I'm going to trust God with my children. I'm going to live by faith with my children. You see, with my finances, I'm going to trust God with my finances, even though I don't understand my future. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, but I'm going to trust God with that future. There's a problem in my life. There's a problem surrounding me. There's a problem, there's this enemy of problem. this army of problems that's surrounding my life. We need to realize that living by faith is seeing that God is surrounding that problem in our relationships. Everything in life, all of these things, everything in your life, everything from the good from the bad, that was all supposed to be given to God. That is all supposed to be trusted and given in confidence to Jesus Christ. So that when we have these burdens of life, some of them good, some of them bad, we are carrying a burden when we live by sight that we were never meant to carry. We are bearing burdens we were never meant to bear. Jesus Christ came and he died and he gave us a new man so that we could live giving these things to Jesus Christ. The person who is supposed to be handling this is Jesus. The person who is supposed to be in charge of all of your worries and your anxieties and your troubles and your problems and your future and your, it's Jesus Christ. Again, I'm not saying you shouldn't be managers of these things, but when it comes to worry and anxiety, God is supposed to be in charge of all of these things. These things, you are bearing things you were never meant to bear when you have this, when you have this burden on your back. That's why God built faith into the Christian life. So that we would trust him with all things and through all things and in all things, even when we can't see the outcome. That's living by faith. To live by sight is to be blind. To live by faith is to see clearly. That's what we can do. Trust God with all the things that's an amazing truth from Galatians chapter 2 verse number 20